Welcome to the Burning Hearts Church Podcast. We are so glad that you're joining us this week. Well, I get the privilege of starting us off in um, a book study we're going to do. We're going to go after Romans for the next few weeks. Um, We're going to be in the book of Romans. And um, there is so much in this book. We will just be hitting the tip of it, you know, just kind of, I was studying Romans and I I started to see um, this interesting connection, if you want to call it that. Um, A lot of the great revivals that have taken place, churches were studying Romans or their leaders were, and it birthed a revival within the community. And it started with Martin Luther King, and then it Jonathan Edwards, many of you know that, the revival, the first great awakening on the East Coast with Jonathan Edwards, he was studying Romans when revival started to break out. And there's just others, and I'll I'll probably share more as we go into the study, but I found it really interesting, and also the weight and what Romans does is challenges us in so many ways, but also it brings us identity and security of who we are in Christ. And so today, we get to start off, we're going to go through quite a bit of information. You know how I um, like to roar, and so we're going to roar fast, all right? (laughs) Um, But these are, Romans starts the um, epistles, it's those letters to the churches, and they go all the way through until Revelation. And Paul wrote this book, and actually Paul was in Corinth when he wrote this. He wasn't even in Rome, and he had never been to Rome, but he always desired to go there, and eventually he gets there as a prisoner <laughs> because he um, was imprisoned and had had three, three years of trials and all these things, and he sign, finally said, I'm a Roman citizen. Let me go there and be judged, and so he got to go to Rome, um, and you know, as far as you know, in scripture, in Acts 9, it talks about us going to Jerusalem, your own city, Judea, Samaria, to the ends of the earth, right? We start here and we go out. That's like our dream as Burning Hearts Church is that we see a city saved and we see a state and a nation and the world saved and know Jesus. As far as Jerusalem was concerned, Rome was the ends of the earth, <laughs> just so you know. He was going to the ends of the earth and he wasn't even saved when Jesus spoke those words. But um, Paul writes this letter in Romans, and um, there's a number of words that continually, there's, you'll see this theme, and the word law appears 78 times, and it's not just referring to the law of Moses, the Old Testament law, but it's also referring to the principle for the law of life in Christ has made me free from the law of sin and death, right? It's those principles of the law of Jesus trumps the law of Moses, right? He wins every time. And uh, the word righteousness appears 66 times, and the word faith 62 times. So when you think about it, this book is about we are made righteous before God by faith in Jesus Christ. It's the law of faith, not the law of sin and death, right? So that just keep that in mind as we study this, because there's four parts to Romans. And the first part we get to talk about today is the wrath of God. <laughs> but then also we're going to talk about his grace, And as we study Romans 1 and look at the wrath of God, and then we're going to start looking at Romans 3 and seeing this grace of God, oh, what an amazing God we serve. I asked Pastor Chris if the team could come back at the end and do, that's why worship was a little shorter than usual, will you come back at the end and do a song? Because I want us to remember our identity in Christ. 
of who we are. And I feel like Romans solidifies in our heart those things that Jesus did for us on the cross, but also who we are in Christ. And so we're going to start in Romans 1, and we're going to start at verse um, 16 and 17. To me, this is kind of a good summary statement of what Romans is about. For I am not ashamed of the gospel, because it is the power of God that brings salvation to everyone who believes, first to the Jew, then to the Gentile. For in the gospel, the righteousness of God is revealed, a righteousness that is by faith from first to last, just as it is written, the righteous will live by faith. Every major biblical doctrine is found in Romans. And like I said, there's this outline of what it is. First, it's the wrath of God in the chapters one through three. It stops at 320, verse 20. And then there's the grace of God that starts in chapter three and goes to chapter eight. And then it's the plan of God. Chapters 9, 10, and 11. And last, ending in, is the will of God in chapters 12 through 16. So as you follow along, it was interesting as I was studying this, I happened to have an elders meeting and I shared with them, we're looking at Romans, and a number of them had been, I've been reading Romans lately. And so how many of you have been in the book of Romans lately? You must be on reading plans right now, right? And so I'm excited to join in with what your studies are at home. So just to encourage you, you know where we're going, you know what your homework is. Read Romans, okay? So... You know, I was looking at this and I thought, do we ever think about how can I really walk with Jesus? What does that look like? And Romans to me is an incredible roadmap. We always think of the road to Romans as that salvation message. In discipleship school, they learn the verses of the roads to Roman to lead people to Jesus. But it's so much more. It's us knowing who we are in Christ, that incredible identity piece. And one of our theologians that I love, N.T. Wright, I talk about him probably a lot. He um, calls Romans the resurrection book. And I had never thought of it. No other theologian that I've ever read calls it that. And so as you read Romans, think about resurrection life and the power that it carries. So Roman gives us an incredible example of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And just so you know, in Rome, the church was a multi-ethnic church in a pagan city. Let's think about that. Does that sound like Fargo? Kind of multi-ethnic, a city that isn't loving Jesus yet, but we keep proclaiming one day everyone in our city will be saved. But it's not there yet. And that's what Romans, Rome was. And that's what the Romans who were worshiping and fellowshipping in this community that were getting these le- this letter, that's what they were in. They were in a city that didn't know God. So they believe that these Christians that came to Rome were there on the day of Pentecost. Like they believe that's where this all started was in Pentecost because there were Romans within that body that when thousands were added to the church that day, there were Romans there. They were from all over celebrating in Jerusalem. And they believe they went back full of the spirit, full of what God was doing, carrying the gospel of Jesus Christ. And that's what started this incredible movement in the city. Look what happens when a body of believers get filled, set on fire, and sent out. You know, cities are changed. That's us. You guys, think about it. When we are lit up and doing what God has asked us to do and we just totally yield to him, our city's changed. This week, I had the privilege of hearing so many testimonies of God's goodness. 
of healing, of salvation, of resurrection in our life group. Oh my word, they're sharing a story in Pakistan of resurrection life. I mean, it was wild. We'll have them share one day. We just saw God move in such incredible ways. And I thought, this is what we get to be a part of. This is who we are as believers in him. So Romans 1, 8. First, I thank my God, Jesus Christ, for you all, that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. I want you to pause there for a minute. First, he stops and thanks. He's thankful. Do you know what thankfulness to God does? It's amazing. It produces his presence. Like we start focusing in on him and bringing this thankfulness to him. And that's exactly how Paul started. I thank God through Jesus Christ for you all. For God is my witness whom I am served with my spirit in the gospel of his son that without ceasing I make mention of you always in my prayers, making requests if by some means now at last I may find a way in the will of God to come to you. That's where we know he has not yet come to Rome. It hasn't been a part of his journeys yet. And how he gets there, he got to go for a free ride because he was a prisoner. (laughs) He didn't have to raise mission support. (laughs) The government sent him. (laughs) You know, that total thankfulness is so important. You know, in 1 Thessalonians, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. You know, verse 11 and 12, I will come and serve you, but you encourage me and build my faith. That's what the church is. Let's encourage one another. Let's see our faith built as we gather together. Their faith was being encouraged and built up. You know, that's what life group and church is about, that we gather together, that we celebrate, that our faith is encouraged, that we are encouraged to hear the testimonies of his goodness. We're encouraged when we're having a bad week. We can come and meet other believers are going to come alongside and say, hey, I'm going to pray you through and help you through. I got a number of calls this week of people who are really in hard places with illness and different things. And I just said, I just want to pray with you. Like, call me every week or let's meet up every week and I'm going to be your person. We're going to contend for this. We need the body of Christ. One of those people said, you're my lifeline right now. And I thought, I want to be someone's lifeline. You guys are people's lifeline. You carry the hope of Jesus and the promise of his word. So that's why we gather on Sunday, is to encourage one another to learn from his word and see what God has for each one of us. So, for I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Christ, for it is the power of God to salvation and for everyone who believes, for the Jew first, also to the Greek. For in the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it is written, the just or the righteous shall live by faith. This is an important verse that we hold on to. Can be your memory verse. (laughs) I love to challenge myself in the memory verses. I want to just be able to say every year I grow older, I still can memorize scripture. (laughs) After this, after in the JBQ time, the JBQers are going to do a special to show you what really what JBQ is all about. And they asked if they could compete against Ted and myself and I was like oh my word I mean these kids really know the word and they have this incredible fast memory that's flying I told um, Travis and Trish I'm a little nervous you know and I just want you to know I won't get in at all on the buzzer because they know all the questions and the answers so y'all can just laugh with us 
The word righteous is 60 times in Romans. Um, You know, it's to be right with God. You know, that's the easiest definition. The just, the righteous, those who are right with God shall live by faith. That's who we are. You know, eternal life isn't earned, it's received. It's a gift of God. In verse 18, it shows the first major theme of this, the wrath of God. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness, all unrighteousness of men who surpass the truth of unrighteousness. Who suppress, did I say surpass? Who suppress the truth of unrighteousness. Ooh, today. You know, honestly, the wrath of God is real, but what do we have? The blood of Jesus. And that's why today we're going to go through some of these scriptures about the wrath of God, and then we're going to get to the power of the blood of Jesus and that mercy seat. You know, Paul's writing to unbelievers. He's also writing to the Jews and the Gentiles who are moralists. They believe in living a moral life. He's also writing to the religious, those who are self-righteous, who you know are working on keeping all the rules of the law, right? And then he's writing to the new believers. Like that's the expanse of what this letter is. Why is the righteousness of God necessary? Because unrighteousness is real. That's why. We're, we're just humans. We cannot be righteous without Christ. You see, God is good. And because of that, he goes, you know, through all the sins of man and says, we cannot do this on our own without Jesus. We all need Jesus. I was preparing this message and I thought, this is a message from the youngest a person in our church to the oldest. We all need Jesus. None of us are righteous without him. You know, the wrath of God, for the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and all unrighteousness. That's what he's doing. But in verse 21, it says, deny God and are the, they are not thankful. So let's look at verse 21. <clears throat> it says that they deny God and are not thankful. So he's going through these, you know, these scriptures, for although they know God, they neither glorify him as God nor gave him gave thanks to him, but their thinking became futile and their foolish hearts were darkened. Although they claimed to be wise, they became fools. Isn't that interesting? He puts in there those little words, nor gave thanks to him. Do you see the importance of having a thankful heart? He's showing the unrighteous and he's showing, he's gonna go through a whole list of sins here. And he's going through like how we need a savior. But a key piece of the unrighteous is they don't give thanks to him. That's powerful. We need to be thankful in all circumstances. Give thanks in all things. First Thessalonians 5. Have any of you seen the new documentary out by Corey Ten Boom? I just saw it. I haven't seen it yet. And I was curious. I have a... A friend, a family friend of ours, um, her dad was instrumental in saving Christians in World War II and saving Jewish people. And he was in Hungary and they have a documentary out on him. And he was a pastor and he actually died in Hungary, you know, fighting for his faith. And uh, Corey Tenboom has this amazing story if you've read her book. And she, was, she and her sister were in the worst concentration camp that they had been in yet. It was the third one and it was really bad. There were fleas and lice and all the things in their camp. And they're reading First Thessalonians and his, her sister turns to her and says, 
we need to be thankful. And she goes, thankful for the fleas? What do you mean? You know, just like, this is crazy. And um, yeah, we need to be thankful because that's what God told us to do. So they begin to thank God. And you know what? They found out in that camp, they got to have great Bible study and really study the word of God and the soldiers never bothered them. And they always wondered why. And the why is because there were so many fleas and so much lice in their camp that they wouldn't go in that room. And so I thought, God, be thankful in all things, right? In all circumstances. I think of the hardest days we had. Some of you know our story with Isaac getting sick at the age of 12. Some of you are new to burning hearts. At the age of 12, our youngest son had a virus attack his heart. And we brought him in he, by ambulance because he could hardly breathe and he had severe pain. And I remember all these doctors, there were so many gathered. At one point, I added up the years of med school and residency and knowledge in the room, it was over 175 years. I thought, that's ridiculous. And they couldn't find a solution. They came to us, they said, we cannot find a solution. We think he'll die within 24 hours. Great, thank you, you know? And I just remember Cindy came and Ted was there and I said, not on my watch, this is not happening. You know, we just began to cry out to God and just ask for a miracle and for healing and it ended up being, you know, he's 22 today and he's never had a healthy teenage day in his life, but he's alive. And we have so much to be thankful for. We have so much to be thankful for. And I remember sitting in his ICU in the PICU, just sitting there looking at him fighting for his life. He had tubes coming out everywhere. They had tapped his pericardium. They'd done all these things. And, you know, people couldn't even visit him because it needed to be germ-free, all the things. And we're in this room. And all I could think of is his goodness. All I knew is that to the core of what I knew is that God is good. And thank you that you're with us right now. I mean, thank you that you're walking with Isaac. Isaac would play this worship music and the nurses would come in and say, what is that? I want to find that. And they'd bring in their phones and we'd find it on their phones and they just wanted to listen to worship. I thought, thank you, Jesus, that we can still be a light in this really hard place. But you know what? In all circumstances, we need to find that way to be thankful. Some of you are in that hard place right now. Thankfulness is a powerful thing. Anyway, I derailed a little. All right, verse 21 Back to that, the foolishness. It's the word in the Greek is moros, which means moron. It's, you're just, it's stupid, right? This is foolishness. In verse 24, it says, therefore God gave them over to their sinful desires and their hearts to sexual impurity for the degrading of their bodies with one another. When they were in error in their theology and in error in their relationship with Christ, the error was in sexual sin too. It's like, we need to keep our hearts right with God. We cannot, we can't not walk with him daily. In our world that is so coming after us in such ways, we need a personal relationship with Jesus. You know what? Our world would say that you were born that way or this or that. That goes against the very holiness of who God is. That's not who he is. He doesn't say one thing and do another. It's exchanging things for lies that we would believe. We can't believe the lies. He wants to make everything obedient to Christ so that we will look at chapter three and say, freedom is found from sin and death in Christ and in his blood. 
You know, we all have different preferences for a number of things that we follow. We get into trouble on a daily basis. And that's why the word of God in our relationship with Jesus is needed. So that our yes is yes and our no is no. That our mind is not seared, but we know truth. It says in verse 26, God gave them over. Part of the wrath of God is allowing people to have their want for what they're asking for. It's our sinful desires. C.S. Lewis says it really clearly. You can take all of mankind and divide it into two groups. One, those who say, thy will be done, your will be done, God. And the second, who, those who God says, your will be done. Let's divide the world into that. It's as simple as that. Verse 28, God gave them over to a debased mind. Do you know where this starts? Is in our mind. To do those things which are not fitting, being filled with all unrighteousness, sexual immorality, wickedness, covetousness, maliceness, full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, evil-mindedness, backbiters, haters of God, violent, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents, undiscerning, untrustworthy, unloving, unforgiving, unmerciful, who knowing the righteous judgment of God, that those who practice such things are deserving of death, not only do the same, but also approve of those who practice them. That's quite a list. You know, we have our sins that we think are okay, and our sins that we think aren't okay. This list pretty much covers it all. And some, in some um, translations, it talks about two offense. If you carry offense, it's sin against God. We need to have those honest, real conversations with people about their lives. Parents, we just did parent well, and raising our kids in this over-sexualized culture is incredible. And that parent well class was amazing, and we're going to continue. We have some more. We're going to do another 10-week study. But in that place, I thought, it is not easy to raise your kids in this world. It isn't. And I recognize that. And my only answer is this, is Jesus and the Word of God. If we don't know truth, we can't hand it to our kids. They're going to make choices. I get that. But we have to know truth and raise them well. You know, they were going through in that class just different things, even that's on TV and all the things going on in our world. And I thought, some of the shows I'd never heard of, but it's on like mainstream TV and what they're actually showing. And I was just undone. I thought, we are Rome, you know? This is a pagan culture. We're in Rome. And I was just kind of undone. Like, this is wild. In the social media, the constant blasting and people bullying and saying their opinion all the time. You know, I always, it's interesting to me. Like, I think all these people are pointing each other out. And I thought, there's three fingers, my mom would say, always pointing back at you. <laughs> How many people had a parent tell you that? You know, we'd say to our kids, mm, 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 you know, like there's three fingers pointing back at you when you'd say something to your sibling. And I thought that's exactly it is like examine our own hearts, right? We can feel justified by those things that we say, but we need to look at our own hearts. Judgment, we're hard on others, but weak on ourselves a lot of times, right? Anyway, some think it's okay to lie, slander, gossip, carry offense, and other sins are okay. 
but then they think sexual sin is really bad. You know, we think there's a curve in sin and there isn't. It's just, he's a holy God. He's holy. He's amazing. We sit on a mercy seat every day. Do you know that? We sit under the mercy of Jesus and everything he did for us. We're getting there. God said he's patient with us, not wanting anyone, not wanting anyone to go away, but all to come to repentance. And it's, we know that it's his goodness that leads us to repentance. It's not us judging people. It's his goodness that's going to lead people to repentance. Why do you think we do the goodness of God a lot in our church? There's so many reasons. And that's one. His goodness overwhelms us. His goodness stirs our faith. His goodness is something we need to talk about. Just remember, go low. It's always best to just go low. Just say, God, here I am. As I was studying this, I just like, any, any way in me that doesn't please you, God, show me. Lead us to the way of everlasting. So now we just saw the wrath of God. You know, so now let's get into Romans. He's hitting everything. I just want you to know, Romans is a book where Paul said everything I know and learned in all doctrine and theology, I'm going to give it out like a firestorm in Romans. He did all of it. So Romans 3, we're going to start in verse 21. Many theologians would say that this is the most important group of scriptures in the whole Bible. They would all agree on this. So I say that because I want you to hear that and remember these scriptures and these truths. But now apart from the law, the righteousness of God has been made known to which the law and the prophets testify. This righteousness is given through faith in Jesus Christ to all, to all who believe. There is no difference between Jew and Gentile. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God, and all are justified freely by his grace through the redemption that came by Christ Jesus. God presented Christ as a sacrifice of atonement through the shedding of blood to be received by faith. He did this to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance, he had left the sins committed beforehand unpunished. There's three really important words in this. Justified is the first one. Paul uses it 15 times in Romans. Justified is actually a legal term of the day. It makes a, it's making a proclamation or a dec- declaration. So I want you to think about this. We're justified. God is making this proclamation and declaration over every believer. Everyone who calls on the name of the Lord and is saved. He's saying, God looks at your, our sinful life, and then he makes this declaration, this proclamation, and he says, you are perfect and righteous if you believe in Jesus. You are right before me. He makes the declaration and treats you like you, you have never sinned before. The blood of Jesus that saved us. You know, justified is just as if you had never sinned. That's his proclamation over us. Are any of us worthy of that? We aren't, only by the blood of Jesus. That's what it means to be justified. The next word that's so important is redemption. It's a slave term in the scriptures, um, in the markets of the slaves, they were set free when someone had paid the price. It was called their redemption. So if they were a slave was set free. 
God sees value in you and you're worth the price that he paid for us. His very own son was sacrificed for each one of us. But God is saying, you're worth it. Redemption. We were slaves to sin, but now we're no longer. He redeemed us. The last one is atonement. It's used four times only in the New Testament. In the Greek, the Old Testament word for it is used 20 times, and it's used for a piece of furniture in the tabernacle. It's the mercy seat. It's the lid on top of the box that they carried, the Ark of the Covenant. The box was there, and the lid was gold. And inside the box, remember, there's three items. Aaron's rod, a pot of manna, and the law of the Ten Commandments are inside there. But his presence comes only there on that mercy seat. It was the only time God would meet with man is on that mercy seat. They'd sprinkle blood on it, and then he'd meet them. But in atonement, Jesus Christ, God's meeting place, that's what we have. We now have access to the Father because of the blood that Jesus shed, that mercy seat. His blood covers over our brokenness, over our sin, and he shows us mercy. He is the mercy seat. We live in that place. Isn't that amazing? Something to celebrate. Pastor Chris, you want to come up? Some things that um, maybe as we're talking about this, you're like, oh, if you don't know Christ, today is your day. I just laid it out. Like all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. But in him, salvation comes and eternity comes. Some of you are listening to those things and maybe Holy Spirit is convicting you like he was me. We're gonna take a minute and just let him just purify our hearts and just remember who we are. Remember that identity of who we are. And I just wanna break off any shame that anyone's feeling because we are new creations. I am beloved. He bought me with your blood is a song I wanted Chris to sing And I just want us to take time. We're going to worship here. But allow Holy Spirit to just speak to your heart. If there's anything in you that, you know, you say, I got to get rid of that, then just give it to Jesus. You're on a mercy seat. And the blood of Jesus comes and sets you free. And remember, think about it. If we're thinking thoughts that aren't of God, like lust or whatever it is in your head, you're not sinning it until you act. Like, let's get rid of them. Like if there's thoughts coming to you that aren't of God, let's say, God, forgive me and let's align. Cleanse my mind. Let it align with the word of God. It starts there. The debased mind, right? And be thankful. Let's just thank him for who he is. So let's just stand for a minute. We're going to sing this song and I'll just close in prayer over us after this. We hope this message encouraged you today. For more information about Burning Hearts Church and our mission, please head to burninghartsfargo.com.